listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hey everyone, this is Daniel Nguyen, writer, director, producer. Uh, you may know me for Residue and our The Voices just actually recently been released this year. So check it out if you guys get a chance. And um, I'm working on a very cool sci-fi film this year. Nathaniel Nguyen, welcome to the Make It Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I am so excited to have you. And we are going to dig into some fun stuff here because you are a fun guy who has your hands in just about every bucket that I can think of in film and entertainment. I want to give the audience a little bit more of a, uh, of a context of, of where you're coming from and what that really means. Uh, so I'm going to read a little bit from a bio. If it's wrong, just jump in afterwards and tell me, hey, let's fix this, this, this. We know it's the internet. You know how it goes. But um, okay. let me read from here. Nathaniel Nguyen, president and CEO, is the creative force behind Nuon Films, working in the entertainment industry for more than 22 years. An award-winning director, he has been creating feature and short films, music videos, promotional works, commercials, and more since 1995. His work has brought both national and international acclaim, winning the San Diego Filmmaker Award at the San Diego Film Festival, Viewer's Choice Award at the Temecula Valley Film Festival for the powerful short residue. And it was very powerful, by the way. We're going to talk about that. And two Emmy Awards for the best short film and original score. He was an invited panelist for the A Solo Art Film Festival in Italy on the topic of censored media in third world countries. Additionally, Nathaniel's presence is widely felt in his birth country of Cambodia, influencing filmmaking there and remains a voice for positive change. Nathaniel also leads projects as director, editor, and visual FX producer, including heading up a post-production house. We're going to talk about that a little bit as well. On the post-production side, he's worked on films like Heist with Robert De Niro, The Prince with Bruce Willis, in USS Indianapolis with Nicolas Cage. Nathaniel is widely sought for his skills in visual effects and virtual reality productions, both in the US and abroad. Most recently, he contracted with the US military for VR development and 3D animation for the field. He co-founded Third Realm Creations, specializing in augmented reality marketing and advertising, VR promotional and entertainment gaming, commercials and films, Currently, it is lending its expertise to medical virtual reality training, VR live experiences, and AR books. Nathaniel, my goodness. <laughs> what a mouthful. You uh, are incredible, both from a filmmaking storytelling uh, side, but also from this technical side. And I want to dive into it. But mm -hmm. before I dive in to all those things that we just mentioned in your bio because we will get to it. I want to start with something that uh, you quoted. And uh, you, I'll, I'll read it to you. Get your thoughts okay. on this. So you said, quote, successful people make money. 
It's not that people who make money become successful, but that successful people attract money. They bring success to what they do. Now, I can take that on face value and understand it, but what does it mean to you? It's, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember what, actually when I said it or quote that. <laughs> so that's kind of, uh, no, I think that, uh, you know, one of the biggest thing is, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot. Like when growing up, I spent a lot of time with my father. Um, you know, he was a, a fisherman. So we spent a lot of time on the water. So I didn't really have to, you know, being out in the water all the time, you're always isolated from everything. And I think like, you know, one of the things that kind of like always stuck with me and helped, helped grow was like, you know, when you leave this world, like, what do you leave behind? Mm. And each day that you come out and you do something, is it going to make an impact? Um, because you never know. Cause like, you know, I, I look at things right now, like if I, if I made a, if I made a film and it may affect just one person to change one person, motivate one person to do something, that one person can change the lives of millions, you know, just depending on who they're because, because, you know, filmmakers who have made movies that changed my life, uh, just watching it. And, you know, and I'm like, it, you know, it's a chain reaction that we don't really think about things that we actually do. Um, you know, and I think in terms of success, it's the same thing. Like, you know, when you start to create something and, and you create the bubble, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a chain reaction. You may not see that right now. It could be, you know, while you're, when you're gone, like years before you're, you're, you're dead, you know, uh, you never know. And it's just like, you know, I, I, that's the whole thing about like, you know, you can go work an everyday job, make money, do this, do this. But once you create art and, 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 and do that success that we're talking about, it's that that's where everything kind of branches out for you, you know, and that's where you live forever. Like, it's a weird thing, you know, we think about like having kids, having family, so we, our names can live on. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you create art, when you do films, you paint something that lives on, you know, we're still talking about artists like after a thousand years after they're dead. You know, I mean, like, you know, a hundred years after they're dead, you know, so. And that's kind of like where I was getting at where, you know, sometimes when you when you, you look at that, that's where, you know, the moment that you create something or do something, that's when things are drawn to you. And I think like, you should be measured, your success should be measured by like, um, really not how much money you make, but how many people you affect. Yeah. Sense. They say the artist is the first immortal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love, uh, I love that sentiment. Uh, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, it's no secret. You mentioned it a lot in your posts and bios and things like that, that you were a Cambodian refugee I have a brother-in-law. His name is Santhala. He's okay. from Laos, but he goes by Steve. And <laughs> your birth name is Sith. Yeah. <laughs> what was the inspiration for Nathaniel? Uh, actually, when we came over to the States, uh, you know, my father, uh, you know, he, his name was Satya, uh, his birth name. And then, you know, he, he was so proud that he got his citizenship and everything. And he changed his name to, 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 to Denny. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't know, we were just talking a while and it's like, oh, well, if you're Denny, Nathaniel, like, you know, whatever it was, it's like, hey, what if, you know, I'm now Nathaniel. And, and you know, it's just one of those things that like we we're just tossing out American name. And it, it really 
even within my family, it didn't even stick. No one really calls me Nathaniel or Nate. It's like, <laughs> it's always been Seth. Like it's, you know, even on set, like people are like, like sometimes when you work with me and like, you're like, everybody's running around and stuff. It's like, Hey, where, where's Nathaniel? And I was like, who? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It, it's, so it never really stuck, but I mean, it's just one of the, like, it's, you know, it's my American citizenship name and, you know, Seth was always, you know, with my family, but but yeah, that was, you know, we were just proud American when, and we felt that like, um, you know, it was, my dad was Denny, Daniel, and now, you know, like, well, I'm just going to add AT. It's like, no, I'm not Daniel. So. I, I love it. It has, has great uh, alliteration. It's a great pseudonym for you uh, in entertainment. It rolls off the tongue, I have to say. And mm-hmm. I relate to that so much because I'm the product of adoption. Um, I'm myself, I'm not adopted, but my father was adopted out of Germany and brought over to the States when he was three, same age as you were. Mm-hmm. And he always recalls the story of standing in front of a judge with uh, a bunch of other kids and mm-hmm. having to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And and this, this process of getting a citizenship and the type of love that creates for the United States. Because mm-hmm. So when you mentioned we just love the United States and we were trying to ass- assimilate, right? Yeah. Like that's a story I've been told my entire life from my dad about there's something about it. When you go get your citizenship and you become one and you belong somewhere, it's, um, it's just, it makes your heart expand. Uh, and I actually see that throughout a lot of your work. You're always like, you know, you'll, you you like to put a little quote in front of some (laughs) of your movies and and it's always around love and love tying things together. And, um, I think that's wonderful, man. You're a loving guy. Uh, you have this, you do have this super cool story about you guys not having a lot growing up and your dad finding this TV that someone was <laughs> going to throw away. He sets, he keeps it, he sets it up in a house and he turns it on, except the problem is it doesn't have any sound. Does so, you, so you're just watching the images. So take it from there. Tell us the story. Cause this is really how you first got into loving entertainment, right. And telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's like, so it was funny. Cause like, you know, I think we were living with our sponsors at the time. I can't remember. Like it was, we were somewhere and you know, he came home with this TV. I don't know. I, there's two two sides to the story. My mom said he found it somewhere and then like somewhere was thrown away, you know, he was dumpster diving, who knows, but he brought a TV back and you know, he was tinkering with it and got it working, man. And uh, yeah, it, it, it you know, it was in black and white. It was, it was the old school TV where it was still made of wood. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, yep, you, I had yeah. one of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like huge. So, like, I was like, oh man, I was fat. Like, when the picture came out, I was fascinated. And I think that was their first, like, oh, well, he's he's busy in front of the TV now. I was like, that's like my iPad now. And, you know, it's like with kids, they're like, hey, go do something. Here's your iPad. So, yeah, I was just stuck and glued in front of the TV, just watching stuff. And, you know, the thing is, like, there was no sound. It was like, I was just watching people mouths moving, but no one was actually saying anything. And, you know, uh, as a kid, you growing up and you're like, man, what are, I wonder what they're saying. It's like, you know, you know, I'm just make up stuff. So I was watching it and just making up stories that I think, you know, and the weird part is like, they were actually speaking in our native language in Cambodian. So I'm like, you know, like, you know, I had, you know, this, you know, uh, um, American guy, like in black and white, you know, saying something to his lady, and but she's she's actually in my mind, she's talking in Cambodian, and I'm like, so, oh yeah. Uh, so, so it was kind of like an interesting thing, but yeah, it was years later that then I um I went to a friend's house, 
and I was watching the the same the same shit. I always thought it was silent. So when I actually got to a friend's house and we were watching, I think it was like I was a little older, um, not a little older, but they're like, I was like, holy shit, they're talking, they're actually talking. I was like, they're sound. I was like, it's not a silent movie. So like, and that from that point on, I'm like, man, everything I was thinking in my head, what they were actually saying was not, <laughs> was not exactly what they were actually saying. So, uh, but yeah, that was my first taste of just you know, having the actors and just talking in general, just making up dialogue um, as, as we were going. So do you remember any of the stories you, you made up oh, man. or any of them well, good enough to remember? No, most of them is like about cooking and eating. <laughs> it's weird because like I was like uh, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble if I say something but uh, you know it was like it was early school judgment free like, zone uh, go for it I mean, cool, cool. I was like you know early school stuff like hey I was watching uh, I might date myself I was watching like Mr. Ed the talking horse mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Mr. Ed so I was watching stuff like that Nick at Night and it was just like but you know the, the oh God, it was Sabrina like no it was, like, it was farther back it was you know like just all the Nick at Night shows I can't even remember right off the back but you're all in like just like these stage areas, you know, and there's one location and there's just mostly, it was mostly dialogue, man. And, you know, it, it was shot just like, like, like a TV show. It was just like, you know, one camera every time you had some cuts, but it was just straightforward, like, you know, one location. And I'm like, well, what are they talking about? Cause you know, if I see a kitchen, they must be talking about cooking or something, right? <laughs> As a kid, you're like, yeah, I was like, what else could it be talking about? You know, <laughs> it's like, so- yeah, you know, you know, when you when you're growing up as a kid, you never think like the adults would be arguing in the kitchen or talking about something separate that has nothing to do with kit, uh, the kitchen, you know? Right. You know, right. For me, when I was a kid, I was like, well, they're in the kitchen. They must be talking about, oh, man, he's mad because maybe they, she's not cooking what he wants to cook. I don't know. Like, that's what I, you know, I was envisioning. I love uh, these. Um, yeah. I love these origin stories. <laughs> I love how we sort of first get immersed in the arts and entertainment and how it starts in these really unique places for, for everybody. Uh, You grew up, you got a little bigger, like you said, you still were loving it. And you started making documentaries of your friends in high school. And lo and behold, one of those won. And you said, man, maybe I can do this for the rest of my life. But my question to you is, is would you still be in film if you didn't win? What would happen if you didn't win in high school for that documentary you made? You know, I, I might have been a pilot or I might have been an engineer because uh, my dad was like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're first generation in America. You got to make the family proud. You know, it's like the whole Asian thing. It's like, you got to <laughs> either, you know, it's like, I, was like, I don't want to be a doctor. It's like, you know, everybody's going to be right. doctors. Uh, you know, either you, he's like, you're going to be an engineer. You're going to do this. And it's like, you know, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I went there and like, you know, I, I kind of started shifting that way because I, you know, I, I always had a love for filmmaking, but I never really pursue it because, you know, growing up in, in Alabama and, you know, on the, on the, uh, the water, I just, you know, as a kid or just growing up in general as a teenager, uh, you just never, you know, had that vision to go out to the outside world until like, you know, you, you know, one day I was just like, you know, maybe not it's not what i want to do and then um you know my dad like it was it wasn't until like i got closer to um almost grad you know like i think it was like uh maybe a year yeah in my i want to say junior like i can't remember the conversation it was one summer we're on the boat he just asked me like flat out like what do you want to do with your life i'm like i because you know i was kind of scared to like tell him like yeah i kind of want to go make movies and do stuff you know like i don't really want to be you know a chemical engineer or a pilot you know and he was like, and I kind of like said, 
I, I really want to make movies or just, you know, be in entertainment. And he just, you know, was very open to it. Like, yeah, like what you have a film school you want to go to? I'm like, well, oh shit. I didn't think, you know, so when my dad's approved after that, I was like, yeah, let's do this. You know? So that was, you know, after that, it was just, yeah, it was so much easier to, yeah, I didn't knew what I wanted to do. It was, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It was always deep down, but it was just like, you know, I never wanted to let my parents down, but also just like, you know, with my dad loving the idea and just like pushing so hard for me to, to do this, you know? So it's like, you know, yeah, he's such a big influence uh, on me. And you know, a lot, a lot of people don't realize that Nun Films is actually named after him, not me. Oh wow! <laughs> so, How yeah, so? Yeah. So yeah, he you know he he produced our first like film, and and you know it, it didn't really go anywhere because we had uh, you know halfway and yeah you know, we didn't know it. We learned a lot that that they're making the, the film, but you know he he had a love for arts too. You know, like it was just one of those things that. Um, you know, he financed the whole thing. He bought the cameras, did everything, put the team together. Like it was, you know, he did all the producing and, and, you know, we, it was one of the things that like, um, you know, when he passed, I was like, we, it, you know, like that's kind of actually brought all my friends now together as she, as my team, uh, the producers I work with, like Mike Charles and Sodrick, they're all like guys who actually worked on the original film with me and we still make movies together. You know, um, Mike and Charles are my producers, uh, you know, for every project I've done so far and Sodrick's the DP of voices. So, you know, it, it, it kept like, it created a community and a family and we felt that like, you know, it was just the right thing to do. And it was, you know, it was just named after him. So, um, and the logo is just me holding the first camera he bought, which is yeah, back there. Yeah. Uh, the XL one we shot, yeah, we shot our first film on the XL one. So yeah, it was just, you know, it, it felt right and it was the right thing to do. So, you know. I, I love that. I do. I think that's, Amazing. Your dad was kind of doing what you're doing. If you think about it, and he's a fisherman, that's a, mm -hmm. that, that, to be good, right? Mm -hmm. That's a skill. He fixes a TV that someone mm -hmm. couldn't fix. Mm -hmm. So he's got that engineering mind. Mm -hmm. And then he produced a film. He's got yeah. that artistic eye. And I don't mm -hmm. think people understand fully that when you're in film, you're in technology today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is not uh, some wild eyed, kid that's going to go, you know, take a picture of a leaf falling from a tree or, or film a leaf falling from a tree. This is, yeah. this is highly technical job. Uh, you have to have that engineering mind, but you have to mix it with the humanities and that's how you get a storyteller to come out of it. So yeah. I think that's great. And I, and I, and I think you caught him that day in, in an honest moment. Uh, one of my best friends in college was Chinese or is Chinese. Yeah. Uh, and he wanted to be an actor, yeah. but his dad was a scientist scientist up in Boston and he couldn't and so he couldn't change his major. He ended up mm -hmm. going to, he's a doctor to this day, Yeah, and, but I, I don't think he regrets that he's doing yeah. well, but somewhere, right. Yeah. There's a second life that he is a parallel universe where if he could just take a key oh, yeah. and walk through another door, he would do that other thing. Yeah. And so kudos, kudos to your dad. I say oh, yeah. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. So yeah. here you go. You're out of high school. You've told your mm -hmm. dad you want to do this thing. And here's what's interesting. Everyone wants to go to NYU. Everyone wants to go to USC. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, you have 140 graduates from Full Sail University on this year's Oscar nominated films. You mm -hmm. had seven 
of the graduates from Full Sail University part of the this year's best um, picture nominations. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I think it might have been the most represented university in the Academy Awards. And that's the school you went to, a little school called Full Sail University that started out of Dayton, Ohio, came down to Winter Park, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did yeah. you decide to go there? You know, it, it was like, so I wanted to get through college really quick and just start making movies. And, you know, Full Sail uh, at the time was the, you know, the place to go. Um, you, you had this 13-month uh, crash course, military. So, oh, you, you're going, you know, and it gave you real-world experience. And that was, I think that was you know, one of the things that we wanted, like me and uh, my friends, you know, that we all attended to get together. I was like, let's just go there and get out. Let's just start making movies, you know? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically what, because, you know, at the time there was like, you know, at least we didn't really have the internet or like YouTube to learn all this stuff now, which vast knowledge or, you know, podcasts like what you guys are doing. But uh, it's, it's just like, you know, let's go there and come out and just like make movies. So it was, you know, we, we didn't, we knew right away that we just wanted to get going with it and we wanted to learn as much as we can um, there and jump out of it. But, you know, when we went uh, full, so it's just kind of like starting out, like it's massive now. It's just huge. It's a huge university now. Um, but, you know, when we went, we were going to school. Oh my God. I mean, I had classes that uh, I had two hour breaks and it was, it was open 24 hours, you know I mean? The labs and stuff. We were, oh, I love that. Yeah. We were, I oh, mean, I, I, I remember going to, I remember being awake for 22 hours, just doing stuff like, man, I, I want to get my time in, you know, I mean, I mean, get to the lab, you know, go home, take a shower, come back. And you're, you're constantly there. Um, because, you know, at the time they had like, you know, the equipment in the lab. So, you know, you, you only had a certain amount of time to actually do stuff. So you don't want to miss your, your, your actual time to check in and actually work on, you know, um, learning Avid and stuff like stuff like that. So, you know, you had to be, be, you know, very proactive about it, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna go shower and come back home and then, you know, eat something and go back to, you know, to school and, you know, you're, you're constantly there. So I, I, I definitely love that, you know, that, uh, that training and it, you know, it made me very like, uh, I guess ready for, you know, real world kind of production, especially in the independent world, you know? And, you know, when I, I, I came back, uh, got out of there, that's kind of like what we, um, my friends and I kind of teamed up and that's why we would start making these, these, these projects. Um, but I think that like, you know, now I, I don't, I can't speak for how it is now, but I think that like it's, you know, if, if it, they kept the same, um, way of developing students and stuff. Yeah. I think that it is, is definitely, um, uh, a very, you know, for me, hands-on learning. Cause I, that's, that's how I learn. I just, I, 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 you know, I, I can watch stuff, but if I'm not doing it myself, I have like this muscle memory thing. And then if I'm reading something, I have to be doing something to kind of be walking around. So it's like, I'm constantly having to, um, something has to be moving in my world, uh, to, for me to, um, to receive the information. Um, yeah. so it's, yeah. And I'm very, uh, this like Silicon Valley sort of incubator philosophy of (laughs) what what would happen if we never closed the lab and we threw a bunch of creative people in the room together, like what, like what comes out, right? Yeah, and it, the hell, like the way my home is set up now, like I'm I'm working 24 hours. So like I feel like it's sometimes when I'm, you know, if I'm not writing or not editing or not coloring or something, I'm just you know learning something. Uh, you know, there's just something always happening in my world. You know, I sleep a little bit, wake up, say, oh, you know what? I'm gonna write a little bit of this today, and then I'm gonna do this today. You know, um, so it's 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 definitely you know, as a creative open like doors for me but also like yeah full so definitely trained me to be very uh 
uh, I guess, diverse in a way, like my time, I'm like, Oh, I can do this. And, do this. Mm-hmm. and yeah, so yeah. it's, it's played out. You're a dynamic dude for sure. And <laughs> one of the first things you did when you came out is you just, you punched the world in the face with this amazing <laughs> short film residue, uh, which is about the CIA bombings in Cambodia that very few people know about. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, I really liked this, uh, Nathaniel, like I, I did, I, I liked it a lot and to be an independent short as well. The, how raw it felt was, was a, was really a pleasure. And, and that's not lip service. I, I really, have some thoughts about this, this short film. But what jumped out to me was knowing that here you are, you were working for NBC News uh, affiliate in, in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, then suddenly you get this contract with, with the military. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what, what influence, if any, did your work for the military at that time have on your decision to make that film. And did you have any sort of psychological tension about the fact that here you are working for the U S military <laughs> while knowing the history of what the CIA did in Cambodia during the Vietnam war? You know, that's uh, it's funny. Cause it did kind of happen. Like kind of, it feel like it happened at the same time. Um, no, I, uh, you know, how residue came about was, you know, my dad, he kept me you know, Cause my dad was in the military. That's the reason why we were able to get sponsorship over to the U S uh, relatively. Oh, got yeah. So he helped, he helped out a lot with, uh, with, that's know. how my dad got over here. Military. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, my dad's definitely, you know, there's a part of his life that like, I, you know, I still talk to my mom about like, Hey, you know, there's, you know, there's some dark spots here. I, I don't, I, you know, I need to fill in, but, uh, anyway, I, so him and I started talking, he was like, yeah, you know, um, he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, CIA was in Cambodia. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, this is way before like, uh, they released the uh, the articles for uh, Operation Breakfast and all stuff, the bombing, and and we were like, oh, like, what, what? Why was the CIA in Cambodia? So he he and his friends were actually telling me like the story of Residue. And it's like that's how Pol Pot came to power, blah blah. And it's like you know this, you know they, and I was like, how come we did not taught that in school? It's like because you're not supposed to know that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and yeah, I was like. I was like, this is such a, like, you know, cause I always like, why did our country fall? You know, it's like, I was always, you know, and it was one of the things like it, it happens all the time. And then it's like, Cambodia is just one of the countries that, you know, you know, that if they have a, like a way to do things and I, I don't want to get too, you know, crazy in here, but like, yeah, the story, like my dad was telling me like, oh yeah, they, they bombed us. And it's like, you know, I'm like, that's how, you know, the Khmer Rouge came to power. Um, and he was like, and uh, that started researching. Ding. I couldn't find anything at the time, but then as we were putting together the, the screenplay of how, because it was about how, you know, Cambodia became, how Cambodia got taken over, not about like Khmer Rouge. It was just like, you know, because it's like, you can't fix a problem. You can't figure out what the source was, you know? So that's what I was looking for. It's like, like, wait, how? You know, like you keep tracking back and it's like, eventually you'll find the, the answer. Um, and, and that was, you know, when they told me, I'm like, man, this is, this is a story there. I wanted, I wanted to tell it. Yeah. You know, I had a feature link planned out and everything, but I was like, you know what? I can't afford it right now. So let's just condense it to a short. And this is basically what we, we did. And, uh, uh, I had a guy who actually lived through the bombing, uh, build a hut for me. Uh, so it was like very authentic. He was like, oh, it's not how it looks like that. It's like, he's like, he, he literally, like, he was our production designer. He just actually built everything and set everything up. I was wow. like. Yeah, I was like, man, he's like, yeah, you, once you're done, I take it. I can go put it over there and live in there because it's basically livable. I was like, so he built a full-on, like, 
I was like, okay, yeah, that's authentic. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, everything in in the film, you know, it it it, it was more about like I. Yeah, it was very dialogue driven, obviously. Um, but I wanted to get a message out because at the time, like, no one knew about it. No one, like, and I think uh, recently, oh, like, I think a couple of years farther back, but it, 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 they released Operation Menu, which was the bombing of, of like, the southern border of Cambodia. But Nathaniel, um, people still don't know about it. Just because they released that. Like, no one reads it, you know. I like, yeah. Have you been on? Have you been on Twitter? Like, no one knows. No one yeah. knows. And so, if you decide to make a feature out of this, you have to promise you're going to reach out to me. You have to. I will. I will man. You have I will. to reach I, out I, to me. I I think this is potentially a game changing feature uh, mm-hmm. if you if you were to make it. But but speaking of Twitter, because mm-hmm. I find this interesting, you find a lot of people in Twitter sort of pining for and, and thirsty for communism. And then whenever you talk to anyone who came from a communist place, they're like, you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, why do you think that is? Why do you think people want communism? You know, I honestly, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I, I've, I've traveled a lot. I've seen a lot of different places. Um, I mean, I mean, you've know, been to a lot of different places. I, I've talked to a lot of different people and, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I spent a lot of time in Cambodia, and I, I feel like you know, it, maybe they just um, see you know, maybe they just don't have enough information. They're not living under that um, because you know, my mom, you know, she escaped a technically a communist regime. You know, like you know, she mm-hmm. came here, she's happy as hell. Uh, on, on top of that, she actually got her citizenship too. She's happy as hell too. Right. Uh, <laughs> she, changed her, she changed changed her name to to Donnie, which is. Yeah, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I, I really can't uh, dig into their mind, but you know, for me, I'm like, you know, seeing my parents, you know, come here and love this country so much and just want to be, you know, be American, you know, and 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 they 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 did, you know, they became American. They had American citizenship and their names and stuff, and they're just proud. And I I, I don't know, man. It's like you know, when my mom and I went back and visit our country. And, you know, she was sad because she just felt like, you know, she wants to, she just wished that her family could like benefit living here too. It's just, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's and I, I talked to her about it. She's just like, you know, people just there don't, um, at least in, in, in that country. And then they, 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 they don't like they've never been here, so they don't know how good it is. And they've never been in a country that they was being treated really, really terrible to come to a country that's been treated really, really, you know, amazing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I guess what I can, you know, having grown up in, you know, both sides where coming from like a torn country because of like war broken and, and you know, and, and kind of a communist state. And a pa- two parents that who, who survived it and lived it and lived under that regime, and then coming here and see how happy they are and how like they're able to prospect and just move up the you know the this, the world society you know because you know my dad came here with nothing, my mom came here with nothing, and now they you know when they had to develop and they built their own business and stuff. So I think that like I love it. It's yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It's like um, I I, I feel like a lot of people are not in you know when you talk about walking in somebody else's shoes i just feel like some people are just not aware about it and they're not they never walk in the other person's shoes and they don't realize what's what it is you know yeah, um I, how 
Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that's a, a wonderful take. What you just said at the end, walk in someone else's shoes. If I dropped you in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whoever you are on the internet, yeah. I mean, how long would you, how long would you survive? Uh, it's, it's, it reminds me of a, a question that uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote mm-hmm. the great book Sapiens and, and Homo Deus and uh, essential books in my mind, but he posed the question, if, if I put you in a chimpanzee on an island, who would live longer? Who would survive? And, <laughs> and many people, you know, his, his take is that the chimpanzee would survive longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he could, he could handle it. He could yeah. go out and make, make hay, make do, and, and you would fall apart <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, you mentioned the Khmer Rouge. Um, I know what it is. I looked it up, but I want you to contextualize it for, for people. Because you yeah. mentioned it a couple of times. They may not know what, that, that, what you're referencing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was very bad. Um, so they, they were a radical, very extreme group of like, um, uh, uh, that believed that, you know, we in order to reset our country in Cambodia was to go back to ground zero. And basically anybody who was educated or wore glasses or anything were to be killed and executed because they were a danger to the new society. So, you know, you couldn't, if you spoke multiple languages, if you were a doctor, you were all executed. Everybody had to work in the field and it was basically structured like, hey, you know, we all work together, we all benefit together. And if you thought outside the bubble, you're, you know, you're executed, you're dead. Um, you know, you can't be doctors, lawyers, teachers, whatever, uh, performing artists, you know, they, they, they killed pretty much every artist uh, in, in our country. Uh, and, you know, someone that's, you know, some, that's, that was the thing, I think it's a big effect on my father was, you know, my dad was like, ah, oh, you know, he had all these amazing um, uh, artists and, and musicians that he looked up to that were pretty much murdered and executed um, during the, the Khmer Rouge. But yeah, they were just a radical extreme group that you know, believed that in order to fix our country was to basically kill everybody who was smart or that didn't think like they did. And, and you know, and they were armed and we weren't. So, <laughs> you know, they, yeah, you know, and we, they, and we talk about this stuff like it's in the past too, Nathaniel. And it's, I mean, it's really not. I mean, the, the scientists who, who sort of let the world know that coronavirus was, was, out there and potentially got out of, outside of that lab in Wuhan, yeah. uh, he got murdered. Yeah, yeah he was killed. That's this isn't this isn't something you're talking about from. I mean, it is something you're talking about that happened a long time ago, 40, 50, 60 years ago, mm-hmm. but it happens today. Is my point, and yeah. we 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 need to be vigilant uh, against uh, the killing of people who are smart <laughs> and artistic yeah, exactly. and different, and and let's let's fight a little harder for for the painted bird, if you will. Right. It's yeah. always da- it's beautiful to be the painted bird. It's also dangerous to be the painted bird. It it is, man. It's like, you know, like, you know, wouldn't Aristotle said, "Hey, this is I think we we're, we're we're looking at the heavens wrong." And and if you start executing and killing people who think outside completely like and I'm thinking about artistically, you know, um in the realm of like, you know, uh of just just stuff in general, like, you know, cuz I love sci-fi, I'm a big sci-fi fan. It's like you know, I do believe that we have multiple universe. I think that there's, there's, you know, um, I, you know, with voices, I'm going to touch a little bit on that. The voices is about, you know, uh, spirituality, but also just, you know, where the soul and life goes after. So it's like, I feel like, you know, when if science can't explain that, 
Um, and you know, we, we're you know, there's religion and Bibles and like things that people are talking about like throughout human history. You know, we're already we have a our sense of like this as 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 humanity. We know there's something bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think artists and creative people, you know, you know, looking at like some of the the, the most amazing artists from the Renaissance period, you know, and you know they had they even went there. They, their visions are completely like um, influenced by like thinking outside the box, you know, mm-hmm. because. I think that's how we grow as a human race, um, you know, and that I think that like if you limit that and I think, you know, going back to talking about to the Khmer Rouge, it's just like, oh, if you believe or you think this is going to be the solution, then we're going to kill you because we don't think that if you you cap that off, that's never, never change or nothing's evolution or like the intellectual evolution is never going to happen because you can't grow if you just cap yourself, you know, cap the society off right here. You know, you got to let them think outside the box and grow. And that's how we are as a human race today is because if no one thought outside the box, none of this stuff is going to happen. Yeah. There's a new term called useless, useless humans or useless. I don't think humans is the right word. I'm trying to think of the word, but, but it's this fear. <laughs> it's this fear that in 50 years, half of society will have no skill set that, that is better uh, yeah. than an AI or a robot. And that may be the case. But why does that render them useless? <laughs> it's like you have a lot of uses as a human being and your and your yeah. uses are infinite because um, there are things that an AI might do from a skill set better. And and maybe they even talk to you and you can fall in love with them. But even if your job is to fall in love with a robot, that has a that's a use. Right. So I don't know. It's it weirds me out when when people doubt the potential and power of um the human, uh, human ingenuity and the human intellect. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I never talk about this stuff, but I, I'm definitely not a Thomas Malthus guy. I, I don't believe that we can only have so many humans or we're all going to die off. It's, I think you, you give people potential and someone like Elon Musk comes along and says, yeah. okay, we're growing too big for this planet. Let me get you to Mars. Yeah. Let's so yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Back to film. That's what we do on the make it podcast. That's what we do. The make it podcast. It's, you know, it's all good. Our, our audience is with us. I promise you, uh, you started new on films right, right after that, about 2011, go out on your own. It's a bold move before then you were working for other people, helping their film dreams come true and their production, uh, projects, um, come to fruition. Uh, you went on your own. What did it take to make that transition? Uh, were you yeah. nervous? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, every new you know endeavor is always you know. And what did it take basically to make that move? By the way, you know. Man, it's just like one day, you know, I uh, I I spoke with uh, my um, my long term business partner Charles, uh, who you know who went to film school with me. Well, we, like, I'd known Charles since we were in middle school, so you know we we've been making movies forever, and then you know I was like. But you know, if if we're gonna do this, we just need to just do this, man. Let's, let's, let's just focus and build build a brand. You know, let's you know, if, if not, if we keep working for other people, you know, it, it becomes a day job, and you're just doing a nine to five constantly. You know, um, just everything, and you're never gonna be able to just break break free from that um, because you're so busy building someone else's dream or someone mm. else's. Business. Yeah, and and you know. And I just really, you know, at one point, just like, you know, we kind of like saved up enough. We were financially like 
kind of okay from the, the contracts and was like, you know, let's just go out and let's invest everything we got from the military contract and just, you know, just do this, you know, ourselves. Um, so, you know, we went out, bought us a couple, you know, we we'll bought us some reds and, you know, just start, just start at it, man. It's like, you know, and going high and, class on us right away. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always had, you know, it's kind of like, well, now you're going to be like, Oh, he, he's a, he's one of the red guys. <laughs> no, I actually, no, I love red. I love red. That just because they're portable. Yeah. Uh, you can shoot, well, they were affordable you can shoot and you can pop us, in, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I don't think I could like, at the time we wouldn't be able to dump money on getting us an Alexa LL. <laughs> so, oh yeah. N- yeah. <laughs> no, but I, no, I, I, maybe they were affordable. I mean, I said they're portable. They're, they were mm-hmm. smaller cameras, right? They're smaller yeah. rigs. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. I should yeah, have enunciated yeah. that. That's, that's all good. Uh, but you know, I, I've every, every production I was working on, um, from the first like couple of films I was working, we were working with the red one and stuff. So I was always, um, I was always familiar with the red workflow. So that didn't, you know, I didn't want to switch or like change any kind of like, um, uh, into another ecosystem, which, you know, now back then you had, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a pain in the ass, but now it's like, you know, everything like with premiere and, um, how Da Vinci now is like um, editing software. So it's like, everything's just easier to, you know, mixing footage and stuff. So it doesn't matter what you're using now, but back then we just decided to like, Hey, you know, um, it was like, I just went, you know, to highest resolution and we are just going to shoot this. And, you know, and I was just used to post stuff like for visual effects. So, you know, red was just the, the most straight thing to go for was, you know, when you didn't deal with post and visual effects stuff. So, um, but you know, even before that we were shooting on DSLRs, man, we were, we were doing, uh, shooting a lot of music videos, uh, on the, uh, uh the D90 and yeah. up to the seventies, you know, it's like, I mean, even then I was just, you know, trying to push the limit and I knew like from a technical aspect, it's like, you know, 1080. And then when I actually you started using the red, I'm like, man, I'm just being shooting 4k. It's like, and we're only mastering 1080. So <laughs> why the hell am I not shooting on this thing? And then it's like, you know, we were able to like reframe and do everything we want visually um digital camera moves that we can uh you know do because obviously now you can't do it because everything's mastered 4k so you have to shoot like at least 12k or 8k now uh, to right. do what we were doing back then um but yeah it, it the decision was made because of like um from a technical aspect it wasn't a creative aspect you know i uh because i knew like some of the stuff that the clients and stuff that we were actually going to go into and the films that i wanted to make was very more uh um, I wouldn't say experimental, but it was just, you know, it was just something that I felt that like, it didn't need the, you know, um, a high end camera. Like we, we didn't, we didn't need the use of Alexa right now because we were still growing. We we're just a company that was just kind of moving forward. Um, so we needed something that was more versatile, uh, that can handle like commercials and do all stuff. And, right. um, yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure the the Alexa guys are gonna be like, ah, oh, you're 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 you know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like, it worked for me because I I was used to the workflow. Also, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the, people get all you know, <laughs> don't don't get all Ford and Chevy on me. Like, it's you know, <laughs> yeah. let's let's see what, what's well, the sto- what's the story yeah. is the question. Yeah. What's yeah. the story? So like, yeah. So my thing is like when if they they uh, I actually got that question the other day. Well, like, hey, what what camera would you prefer? It's like. You know, when I was like, I, I, I told him the story, like, so when I, um, was out, when I was in LA, I, uh, I ordered an Uber mm-hmm. and I needed to get to this restaurant for a meeting. Honestly, I didn't care what car picked me up. I just need to get there. Yeah. So I don't care what camera I'm using. I just need to make the movie. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so I- that, that's, that's the analogy I gave them. And they're like, that makes a lot of sense because, because if 
the Uber never shows up. Doesn't matter. I'm never getting to that, that <laughs> restaurant on time. So I was like, <laughs> exactly. That's beautiful. I'm going to steal that from you if you don't mind. It, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's wonderful. Um, fast forward. You, you did mention rewind and fast forward. You mentioned a moment ago the voices, your latest feature film, yeah. out on multiple streaming platforms, including Amazon Prime, and uh, everyone should go out and rent it and watch it or buy it. Um, but fast forward from 2012 when you started new on films to now, um, I was wondering if, if you had a little inspiration from the past to, to make this, uh, film today. And I'll tell you what I mean. In 2012, you led a fundraising campaign to raise money to help surgically restore the sight of Mr. Kit Singh, mm -hmm. an actor who was in your short film residue. Yeah. Did his issues with sight have any influence on you writing Voices, which is about, it's a horror film about a person that doesn't have sight, who's blind? You, you know, um, I, I actually never thought about that in, in that sense. Um, I, you know, when he was going through those troubles and, you know, we just wanted to, to help him out and then, you know, get it. Because uh, he had had the surgery for uh, cataracts. Cataracts. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Honestly, I never tied it, but uh, you know, voices has always been on the back burner um, um, for a long time. And actually, it started. The idea came when I moved back from Orlando uh, to help my mom out after Katrina, because mm. uh, you know I was just staying with her, and then um, her house pretty much got a little bit because we live on uh, the water waterfront and um so it took you know a year or two just to get her house back restored and built again uh and you know i was having dinner with her and we went to dinner i'm sorry lunch and we were just chatting and you know and she told me this interesting dream that she had because i was kind of talking about my dad and her and their journey here to america and you know and she was saying like oh yeah you know before you know uh, she said, yeah, this happened to me. And then somehow we just started talking about dreams. And she said she had a recurring dream over and over for weeks about this girl, um, little girl, uh, that kept on coming to our house and knocking on the door and she would open the door and the little girl would ask like, Hey, can I stay with you guys? And mom was like, no, and she would just say no. And it kept on going for weeks. And then finally she said, all right, fine, whatever. And she told my grandma the the story about the dream about the dream, and my grandma was like, "Oh, well, that's normal. You're, you're pregnant, and you're gonna have a baby girl." And then, you know, nine months later, my sister was born, and uh, I was like, "Wait, what?" And uh, and then my uh, my mom was like, "Yeah, she was really nonchalant about it." So I was yep. like, "Okay, uh, that that's a really cool story." And I'm like, "I didn't know that that was like yeah." So I started digging, kind of researching a little bit, and I realized that it was heavily rooted in our culture, like in Southeast Asia, that like, you know, a woman uh, who's experiencing pregnancy kind of like developed this super heightened sense of like the supernatural. Uh, it was something, and then, you know, the whole idea of like spirits wanting to come back and relive their life and flesh out their karma. Yeah. Uh, so they can move on to the next world, uh, move on to the next whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I thought that was really, really intriguing. So I had that idea always down. Um, it wasn't until like I, uh, you know, started uh, giving the idea to other people to kind of like develop with me, and it, it just came back and slashed her hard and stuff. It's like, and then one thing that's always terrified me uh, 
funny thing enough was I was actually blinded <laughs> for like two weeks. So I, yeah, I really? couldn't see, yeah, I couldn't see shit for two weeks and it was scary as hell. Uh, just because like, uh, I think my first layer of my, um, my, uh, I get a cover. Like I can't remember. Did you do LASIK? Uh, no, no, no. I it was just like I got chemicals in my eyes, and it's just like I couldn't open it for nothing. So oh, wow. I had like you know I was so I had to basically wear uh, had powerful eye drops and stuff. And they said yeah you know, I I would have had to have surgery if it got worse if it didn't heal the uh, the, the top layer of it. I come like, I can't remember for the life of me, but uh, but they said that you know you just have to wear these shades and keep your eyes closed and you know and it was for two weeks. I was literally just blind i was like you know and i was like man what if you know what if i have to live like this for, so it was the scariest thing in my life and that's where it kind of like merged the two ideas it's like you know what scared me but also what was an interesting idea from my mom just kind of merging and that's where wishes kind of you know, came up and everybody was like you know when i pitched the idea to investors and just you know, people i talked to it's like well what's the story about well it's about a blind girl who has dead people they're like oh just like six cents <laughs> Yeah, but she's blind though. Like it's it's different, you know. Yeah, she's visually impaired. She can't see. Um, you know, like oh, so like she's talking to dead people. She don't realize that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, she don't. Like the audience knows that she's talking to dead people, but but she doesn't. <laughs> right, right, right. I love I love the integration of the story. You mentioned investors. I know you started out with two, and then mm-hmm. one dropped out at the last minute. But yeah, you, yeah. You plowed yeah. forward. Anyway, yeah, so, man, so what did you have to do? What did you have to give up? How did you lower the budget to, to be able to oh, move man, forward so, and get it going? Oh, man, that was uh, it was crazy. So we, you know, I, I had made a bunch of trips back and forth to L.A. And, and we were just, you know, talking to a couple of different people. They love the idea. They're like, oh, my God, we're, we're on board. And we were in a different tier at the time. And then, you know, and I, honestly, I, I don't know why they even changed their mind. We were on, like, you, mean, uh, you mean budget tier? Yeah, budget. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, budget mm-hmm. budget and tiers. Um, so we were, we were up there, man. We were, you know, we were, can I, yeah, I guess I can say numbers, I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we were looking at, you know, roughly around the you know, voices are supposed to be made for like, about, you know, 1.5 million or something, you know, so we're, we were, we were decent. And, you know, we, we, you know, we went back and forth and talked to them. Everybody was on board and, you know, um, I, I don't know, like, I, you know, they got cold feet or something. And so they dropped out and, and then, you know, we, we lost the majority of the funding and, you know, I, talk to my other investor here, uh, Brad, I was in Alabama. He's like, you know, what do you want to do? I'm like, you know, I, you know, I, I had this vision, this, you know, what's a bigger scale of the, of the film and, you know, bigger names to kind of push it to more like, you know, a supernatural drama. Um, it's, you know, I knew that if I didn't do it now that, I had to wait, you know, another year and two. I'm glad I did it because in, you know, the whole pandemic hit and I was like, man, it's like, if I never would have made this movie, I've just been sitting here for like another four years doing nothing or just, yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I made a decision. I talked to him and I'm like, he's like, you think you can do what you, what you have? I'm like, yeah, we just got to scale everything. And, 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 you know, I talked to, you know, the, like my close friends, my producer and stuff like, can we do this? You know, because, uh, you know, Voices, is, is a, it was the original script, 120 pages, you know, so it's it's a it's, it's a lengthy script. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. So like, yeah, about 20, 30 minutes of the movie's cut out. So a lot of people don't see uh, know that that we shot the whole thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you shot every page? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's yeah. like you know, fifteen pages and uh, uh, like almost like a little um, fifteen pages per day, and um, you know, we were doing 15, 15 days a shoot because that's all we can afford. 
and it was no room for error. And I was just like, you know, I went back and I, I, I talked to everybody. And in fact, this is this is actually still my wall of like like all my notes for voices. Um, but the funny thing is, like, you know, we were going through it and we we're like, can we do this? And then everybody's, you know, they were kind of questioning themselves. And I'm like, and I, I asked, like, everybody's asking, can we do this? Can we do this? And then, like, I just stopped and I'm like, guys, the question we should ask is, like, should we do this? Mm-hmm. You know? And everybody was like, hell yeah. It's like, then that's our answer. It's not can we, we should. So we, you know, we figured it out and we we made it happen, man. It was just like going back and restructuring and casting, you know, um, uh, not bigger names. So we went into like uh, a different uh, tier of actors and, you know, we lucked up with Valerie and, and like Jonathan, and, like all these guys. And, you know, we, you know, and Judy was an amazing casting director. So we were able to get all these great talent um, on, on, pro- on the project. But, you know, I was... I, I was also like very personally attached to the project just because of like the way the script was designed. I don't think a lot of people understand like um, what went into voices um, because like when I was actually developing the story, you know, Mike uh, and, and Charles, the producers, we were, you know, we had different uh, spitballing ideas. We had different people come in and kind of help out with, uh, you know, with some developments and we just, we wouldn't like liking the way that it was going. Yeah. It was either, crazy super horror or like just like slasher just it just didn't make any sense and i'm like man this stuff is not like it's, we're, we're forgetting like we're it's, it didn't make any like just didn't make sense to me so i one day i just said you know what i'm just gonna like research and i don't know what got into me or i was just looking at it's like man i'm just curious like how do like visually impaired people or blind people actually watch movies and i just started researching i, I got on like youtube and start watching a bunch of like uh visually impaired people and blind people like critiquing movies or just watching them, I'm like, holy crap, there's audio description. So I'm like, they actually watch movies. You know, that's really, you know, and I didn't, I, I learned something really new. And now I'm like, so I spent the whole night, like I was up all night writing this. And then we went back to the, uh, our uh, script meeting or, um, for voices. I'm like, guys, we're doing this all wrong. We need to make movie. We need to make a movie. This movie we're, we're trying to make is for the wrong people. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, we're trying to make it for people who can, who can see. And they're like, yeah. I was like, no, we should be making it for people who can't see. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Are you, are you, are you, have you been sleeping? Or like, what, what are you on? Yeah. And I was like, no, hear me out. And I explained about audio description. I explained about like, I think that we need to focus on making the movie for visually impaired people and write the script and focus around like pacing and, and description of dialogue for visually impaired people. So when people who are blind or like visually impaired are watching or listening to it, they can get the same experience for people who can see. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. He's like, you're on to something. Simon. So then we started developing the idea around that. And that's where like, we all became like, it just shaped into what, you know, what everybody's seeing now. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, it was something unique and like something I loved about it. And, you know, also something, you know, kind of like personal to me, like a secret, like people are like, Oh, what do you, uh, that, yeah. I mean, you, if you actually, I'll send you a link uh, for an auto description thing that we 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 did and um, yeah yeah so it's it's one of the things that's really uh, you know uh, very close to heart for me for voices you know and not not just the story that is about like you know my mom's that was the inspiration behind it but also just the fact that you know voices was you know some sort of like technically diff- like technically you know for me you know it, you know I. I 
you know, we, we, we made it visually kind of visually stunning for people who can, can see, but we also made it like where's audible and like everything that's being described and the pacing to get time for audio description to be laid over, uh, for people who are visually impaired visually to give impaired, that time. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, when you watch a movie whose actions, like you, you just, it just moves so quickly. And imagine trying to listen to an audio book at like, you know, three times speed. Oh, he runs on highway. It's like it's like it's really. I mean, they're used to hearing that kind of stuff, but they don't like. I I feel like they're missing the the experience of every actual pacing of the film. Uh, for me, you know, like so, I pace the film. I pace the film for somebody who's visually impaired versus somebody who's visually who's watching it. Um, I'm gonna so, have to rewatch it again now. I'm gonna watch it I again mean, and, yeah, and maybe and then, maybe just watch it in the dark with my eyes closed and like, see what happens. Yeah. I, I, yeah, think that's, yeah, I, mean, I think that's super cool. Yeah. And then I think like Valerie, uh, we, we, uh, you know, we talked about it sometimes and then, uh, you know, like I never, I actually didn't watch any of the auditions, uh, until like the last 10, we have so many auditions for, for, for Lily. And, and now, Mike, uh, now let me hop in here because I, I, I do know about this story, but I want you to tell okay. me and I want to contextualize it for the audience. So, <laughs> so Lily is the main character in voice in the voices and the Valerie you're referring to is Valerie Jane Parker. Uh, she was in wrong turn. She's, uh, in a, a lot of different, uh, she's been in a lot of different shows, commercials, movies, great resume, a friend of the podcast as well. And one hell of a Bobka Baker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so take it from there. And because the, this casting experience was, was wild. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was on this, you know, whole thing where I, I, I just wanted to hear people, um, you know, once we, we flushed out the script, we, you know, we had, we had a, like, I, I can't, I don't remember how many revisions I had to go look back and find a draft to see how many revisions we had. Um, but we had a lot of revisions. So we finally were happy with the, 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 the revisions. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, we were doing, doing an audition, like Mike would, like we we're in the office, Mike would just watch all these auditions that were being submitted. And I was going through and just kind of making notes on like the scripts of how I want things to be. And I actually never watched the audition. I just listened to all of them. I told mm-hmm. him, hey, just turn it up and like, let me hear them. So I actually listened to everyone who auditioned for Lily. And if their voice resonated with me, I would tell him, hey, mark her. And then like, let's go back to her. So he made like, you know, a couple of people that like that were marked, and then, and then I, w- I went back and actually just once everything was was there, because my, my my thought was like, you know, it, I wanted to hear what Lily sounded like, her cadence, the way she spoke and stuff, and how like the actors were interpreting the lines, and if she sounded like Lily versus like if she looked like Lily. I wasn't. But, but, I wasn't my, act- but my question for you though is is how what do you take from that? Like, like, can you actually cast like that again? And then what does Valerie take from that when she goes to her next audition? I mean, is, is she supposed to try to remember, Oh wait, I had great enunciation and a soft voice. And that's why Nathaniel picked me. Like how do, how do, how do we use this information in further auditions and casting? No, I, I I would definitely like that. That was how like it was voices is different. Like, you know, um, situation I, I would never cast a movie like that again I, you know it was, just, it was yeah, <laughs> okay it was, okay it was, just, it was just something that like i knew like um i wanted like the you know like the visually impaired people to have something that the, a voice that it, it sounded like it was you know their hero their mother and, and and just somebody they can follow along with and they had to be they had to have that voice and yeah. you know and i didn't 
And I wasn't casting based off race, who you were and all. So I just wanted to hear you. If you delivered and you sounded like a Lily, then I turn around because remember, like I told you when I was making this movie, it wasn't a, for people who could see. It was people for visually impaired. Visually impaired. So, yeah. So I did. So I, I was just casting around like what I could hear. And her voice just you know struck me. I was like, OK, yeah, like let's let's do that. And then when we had the first, like, you know, the top 10, I actually didn't saw how she looked. Like, I saw everybody else. I was like, you know what? Yeah. And that's when we started mixing and matching, like, you know, okay, let's do some uh, some chemistry read with these guys. And, yeah. You know. um, but, yeah, I mean, the whole cast, and even Jonathan, it wasn't just Valerie. Like, all uh, uh, Will, the other character, her husband, I did the exact same thing. Like, all the, all the lead characters, I cast based off their, like, the way they uh, they spoke and how they sounded. And you know the funny thing was, and uh, we were on we're after one night we were finishing shooting up the, uh, uh, and we went up to a karaoke bar, karaoke bar, and uh, and every one of those mofos can sing. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well I guess that makes sense. It's like they get up in there, they're like, uh, you know, I they were like singing, uh, uh, they did a duet like Valerie and Jonathan were singing Aladdin, you know, uh, a whole new world. I'm like. And, uh, and then uh, my Mike, uh, he like kind of tapped me on the sh- uh, and I was like, yeah, it's like. It's like yeah. yeah, you're back to work. It's like you 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 were listening to him. It's like yeah. yeah. So it was. It's uh, amazing so I, when stuff know, like that I, happens, right? Like when you make those little discoveries yeah. about people, it's <laughs> unexpected, and you're like, you're yeah. you're yeah. a whole different person than I than I thought you were. I, I had a party um, yeah. over Christmas at my house. <laughs> yeah. So we got all these people in the house, right? And mm-hmm. I have a I've like a baby grand, mm-hmm. in in the other room, and. I love it's like my favorite thing in the house. So I play like an hour or two a day. And nice. all of a sudden, everyone's we've got to like some drinks yeah. in us. Everyone's gotten a little bit loose. <laughs> we've yeah. downed 15 bottles of wine. Uh the bourbon is gone. Like we're feeling really rosy. Yeah. And before I know it, one person sits down and we all sing hallelujah together. Yeah. And she's playing it. And I'm like, I didn't know you played piano. I've known you for a really long time, and I didn't know you played piano. She got up. Another guy that I knew for a while sits down, and he starts playing like Billy Joel. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh, wait, you play piano also. And then it turns out like everyone in that room had some sort of either singing mm-hmm. or musical or both talent. And it's just amazing. It's like... uh it's like an experiment you should just have with your own friend group. Just like, yeah. like just slide a guitar out into yeah. the middle of a room and see who picks it up or yeah. take them to, in your case, karaoke bar, for example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that whole, that whole story, how you did that and, and, and kudos. Yeah. It, it but, turned out I, great. I, I wouldn't advise anybody to go cast like that. I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt you, but yeah. Yeah, don't, don't cast like that yet. Yeah. Only for voices. <laughs> no, yeah. Interrupt away and only cast that way if, if it's a movie about visually impaired people. It seems to make sense in that context. Um, we have to talk about third round creations before I let you go. Yeah. Daniel, this is incredible. You really are going to, in my opinion, balance the scales of independent film and big budget film because you know, in a big budget film, and our audience likely knows this, but just to put it into context, you'll go to a place like a Technicolor and they'll have a giant stage and they'll set up, you know, these giant contraptions and, and setups. Uh, some, um, uh, I, I once um, saw a, a 100 camera set up just to do uh, just to do um, imaging 
and and sort of like rendering in a computer and software. So basically, mm-hmm. you would get inside like in a in a black suit or naked, and pictures, the camera take it all around you. Then you could put that into a computer and get it right. And these are big, expensive processes. Um, if you had to create, if you, if you look at, uh, like a movie like tenant, which I thought, even though it didn't win a lot of stuff at the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. uh, it easily had to be the hardest film to make of the year yeah. easily. Uh, those set pieces were all like half scale and mm-hmm. real, the caves, the buildings, the, the yeah. way they explode, the technical, muscle you have to have to sort of understand how to invert something without just clicking the reverse button and uh so to speak button uh uh those are big massive expensive set pieces and -hmm. what you're doing here is you're saying hey let's use virtual reality augmented reality and put it on a giant screen and let these things happen and film it and 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 continue to let that process get get better and better and better. So my question to you is kind of um, more like a, a learning exercise for myself. Can you talk about some of the technical achievements you've you've had thus far and, and where you're looking to go with LED uh, walls, and uh, which is what you're calling the technology LED wall? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, obviously Disney's kind of like on the forefront of that right now. Um, they're using, you know, right now the everybody's coin like or the, the term is virtual production, but it's heavily used with uh, LED wall. Um, you know, it's just basically the idea of like eventually going to replace green screen. I think as the technology and the the, the game engine or like what drives the, you know, well, let me start, let me uh, step back a little bit. We've been using like the technology always been here um mm-hmm. you know uh cameron was using it's, it's basically rear screen projection you know you project something on the wall i mean they were doing it back in oh my god in, in the early uh black and white films and silent films where you just project something in a, in a projector and they, they would shoot an actor in front of it right but the only difference between what we have now and 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 what they didn't have they, they had everything had to be locked off because you could if you move you would lose the idea of like the depth and the parallax because right. there, no, there was no sense of a tracking system. Now, with VR coming out with all, like, you know, the Oculus and the Vives and stuff, like, all these sensors are being hacked to use for um, virtual production tracking systems. So your headset that you put, when you move around, you can see your world. It's basically now the camera. So when the camera moves around, the world that's on, actually on the, the, the LED wall is moving around, too. So it uh, actually, got it. So now it actually works closely hand-in-hand so you get that 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 parallax shift for the pers- the perspective actually works. So if you move the camera forward, the environment should shift forward for you, just like in real life. So that was this is the game changing of like how it is. And the next step is basically the idea of like how it gets more realistic with it. You know, people are like oh well, you know, LED wall is not gonna uh, it, like how realistic can you get? It's yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's getting super realistic because, you know, you look at like technology right now, like, you know, we, I remember when 720p uh, TVs came out, HD, now we're like, we're at 8K TVs now. It's only going to get more and more like defined and more crystal clear um, on where we're looking at. Now that we have the tracking technology, we're just waiting on the, the ability, like where everything becomes real, super real, realistic, where you can't tell the difference anymore. Um you know, right now, like you have, you know, you know, especially what what we're shooting now, like you don't need uh, an epic wide shot of like, you know, unless 
depending on what stop you are on, but like everything's in focus in there, you know, because, you know, and, you know, in a real camera, you always have some sort of like, you know, shift in focus. And I think that like, you know, with the LED wall, it's still sometimes a little soft, but, you know, if you, you create the world and you, you stage everything around it, it's definitely believable. Like that's you, you that's can, what I was going to ask you is, do you still build set pieces in front of the LED yeah, wall? Yeah, you do, you do, you have yeah. to, because, you know, the LED wall, all it's going to do is spill the light, the natural lighting around it. And then that, you know, you're not, it's not taking away from G&E's job. It's just basically actually making the job easier, but enhancing it because now you have the light spill from the LED wall. And then the light that's actually supposed to be in the realistic environment, say like, I'm in the desert, standing in the desert. All I have to do is build, you know, a, a platform with sand that the actor's standing on. And then the wall shows the desert and they're standing there and the light bouncing from the wall is basically illuminating the actor um from each side so you there you know when you shoot from a back shot and you know that's that is there it's like it's minimal lighting it's good it feels like disney is paying a lot more for this than what you would charge so how are you making this affordable for independent filmmakers oh well i mean disney's using the top of the line stuff we're just using you know um stuff that's out right now like you can you can get online right now and just say hey you know i uh i'm gonna go buy a vibe tracker um, you know, a HTC Vibe Tracker. Like, it's just stuff that you actually have uh, that you can purchase right now. And then, you know, Unreal has, you know, stuff to work, uh, um, basically be able to, like, make things work right out of the box. You know, you can put a little plug, puck, Vibe Tracker puck on your camera and just start shooting away. Um, hell, you can actually just do it on a projector. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't really need the LED wall. It's just the idea of, like, the ability to track your camera and move in the real space that, like, yeah. it's supposed to. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, that, you know, I, I, I look at it from a perspective of like, okay, well, you know, if they're spending that X amount of money and I can do exactly the same thing, but like produce a quality, like, um, you know, if our film could look like 20 million, then I think that's going to be great because in an independent world, everybody's like, well, the hardest thing about making a sci-fi looks really awesome because like, you know, you have this budget limitation and this this constraint. They're like, oh well, we have to have all these all this craziness and all this stuff. And we have you know build these set pieces and stuff. Like, not with this anymore. I mean, like you you look at it, you could be on a spaceship and you only have to build like a few set pieces where they're actually interacting and embarking. You know, so um, right. yeah. So for me, yeah, I think that um, you know, yeah, this this thing will fill in the the gap between um, independent filmmakers who's actually like ahead of the game like just or like just way like okay we know this is going to shift because it basically led wall is basically what green screen did for lucas when it first started you know like this yeah. is the first yeah. evolution evolution of it it's only gonna like n we don't even know like i don't even know like personally like where it's gonna actually go because there's so much stuff every day like i'm i'm i'm, I'm testing something learning stuff i'm like oh my god like we, let's try this you know like we're hey, let's go back to doing miniatures let's just print out you know like a. Uh, uh, maybe a one third scale and then let's put it in front of the led wall with the light do that and then we do everything else so, you know we don't have to do a uh, full-on cg animation anymore we just put it in front of the led wall you know so yeah it's just it's just changing everything that how we think and how we do stuff and you know you you can have uh, a, a production that's only spending a million dollars but the film looks like it's 20 30 million dollars because of like the led technology you're able to go places do things shoot multiple locations and, you know, like, you know, when I did voices, I had to do like shitload of locations in 15 days. Now, like <laughs> the next sci-fi yeah, sci film I'm doing, it's like we have like, you know, 
a ton of location. Hell, like some of the locations don't even exist. We're on another planet. So I'm like, right. how do you build another planet easily? So then you have, instead of using green screens and have to deal with that stuff, you literally just put it on the LED wall and, and create that asset that you need early on and can be developing. So it will, it, it will add production value to an independent filmmaker, uh, to an independent film. And, you know, and like, you don't have to pay the cost of the big budget people anymore. It's like, it's just, you know, if you know, like what you're, you know, you're going for, you know, it's just, it's just I, I don't know if like, you know, these guys, like they, they have a lot of money just to basically like test stuff and do stuff. And mm-hmm. as independent people, we don't really, you know, I can't say, Hey, I need a, you know, half a million dollars to go and test this idea that I had that might work and might not work, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, with us, it's like, we look at what we have and, you know, and I think that like, you know, with the VR technology that's moving closely right now, like with Oculus and, 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 and you know, Vive, Index, all these, tra- uh, all these new headsets that are coming out, um, you know, and using that as, 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 you know, technology to do what we're talking about, um, for a different use. It's, it's yeah. Really but, but I think, but I think that's the answer. I, I think, you know, you ask the question, hey, you know, independent filmmakers can't just say, hey, can I have half a million dollars to go test this thing? Maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it's like <clears throat> that's the gap. That's that's how we get bludgeoned with money. Essentially, yeah. it's like um, it, it is by not being able to do those things. But technology has the power to reduce that mm-hmm. that cost down yeah. to something that an independent film could manage. Where, yeah. where the where the money gap just comes down to cast, perhaps. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but because you look at something like that just came out, like Kong versus Godzilla, mm-hmm. that that's them just saying, forget about the story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shotgun CGI at you, and you're going to love it. And that's yeah. what they did. They just, I mean, I don't know how much of that movie actually happened mm-hmm. uh, in 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 3D space, right? Like I, that that movie was probably 80. Yeah. Uh, software okay so that is the big gun they're carrying they're saying okay the moat we're going to create to protect us against independent filmmakers and everybody being able to have this kind of output is we're going to spend a ton of money uh, that they don't have to get a result through software but the nature of software moore's law means that the technology is going to drop Mm -hmm. by half uh, you know all the time and, yeah. and so once we realize that and that the technology is available, yeah. because the thing I love, and, and I'll wrap it on this, the thing I love about what you said is that you found the technology in a headset. Mm-hmm. So had that technology existed outside a headset and be used for film specifically, they would yeah. have charged you more. Exactly. See what I mean? But because it exists already, it, it reminds me of how people were using uh, the, the first Xboxes uh, yeah. that had the... Connect. Yeah, connect. Yeah. It's I, like, did, I did. I did exact same thing. Yeah. I, I from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we gave this away for too cheap because someone found a better use for it than what we had for it, and they broke it apart. This is what, again, going back to the theme of this conversation: human ingenuity mm-hmm. and uh, and effort and creativity uh, just can't be stopped. Uh, Nathaniel, you have been an incredible uh, a person to have a conversation with. I hope. I get to do it again. I hope it's not too long because this has been so much fun. Can can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and, and on the internet and maybe even where they can see some of your work and where they can buy the voices? Oh uh, yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, they, you know, they can reach me out. Like 
I'm hardly on Facebook. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't been on, I've been Facebook lately, but uh, Instagram, like, you know, I, I check my Instagram, you know, daily. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Nathaniel Nguyen at is, well, yeah, I guess my, my Instagram tags, Nathaniel is my name. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't have a Twitter. I I do have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. So, um, and, uh, and for voices, you guys can, yeah, can definitely check it out. Uh, I mean, there's know, it's every platform, iTunes, uh, Amazon, YouTube. I mean, there's like every VOD platform right now. And I think um, eventually it's going to, a video on demand as well. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, I think. Um, they can also check you out at uh, nuonfilms.com. Yeah, because you have some amazing trailers about what we were just talking about and teasers yeah. about the LED wall and some of the things that yeah. you can accomplish. The studios look badass. So congratulations on that. And uh, I think you also have NathanielNuon.com as well. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I'm actually reworking that. Like I, I was actually going to rewrite the I mean, I might, might just do Squarespace myself, but I'm uh, <laughs> redoing the, the website. I've, I've been, yeah, I've been slammed with a bunch of stuff. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, noonfilms.com is definitely where you want to go. And, and I think uh, noonfilms Facebook too. And noonfilms Instagram is, you know, we're, we're trying to stay pretty active on it. But yeah, we're, 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 we're pretty busy on a lot of things, you know, a lot of cool things coming up. <laughs> so. I, I love it. And uh, we'll end on this. If you could provide filmmakers with one piece of advice, what would it be? I, I think like one piece of advice, at least for me, like I tend to look at things and, you know, people look at it as being used for something else and kind of just end up with like this note too. You know, when we, when, you know, DSLR filmmaking changed the world when, you know, these digital cameras were used to take pictures and then all of a sudden they were used to make movies they weren't intended to do that, but, you know, we look at things and we just change and we, we make it our own. Like we can, everything that's around us, we should be able to use, you know, to create art and to create our own films. And, you know, I just, you know, like I said, um, same thing with LED wall or headsets, VR stuff. I just looked at it like, why are we not using this in filmmaking? Um, so if we just think of it that way, everything that you look at um, and, you know, it doesn't matter what you're using, you know, the, whatever tool it is that could be changed into that can help you create the, 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 the project that you want. I think that's the biggest thing for me, you know, or, or for any fil- independent filmmaker, you know, not everything that's created was in, for that intended, intended use, you know? So exactly. Look can, at Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so heart yeah. medicine, it turns out has a secondary yeah. function that can make everyone rich and exactly. everyone happy. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. Don't look at everything that around you as it's intended use. Think of outside the box. That's all. I love it. I love it. Nathaniel, this has been a blast. Thank you for staying up with me. Enjoy the wine. Uh-huh. Enjoy the night and uh, enjoy the run with the voices. And I know you have another film coming out, hopefully August of this year. I'm going to keep my ear to the ground. Please don't be a stranger. And uh, if you find yourself uh in Nashville or Atlanta, if I find myself down where you're at, let's get let's get together. Yeah, definitely, man. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll get to first round. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Perfect. Right, Talk right. soon. All right, man. All right, man. peace. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film. 
If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click Contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film and you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Flaming Your Heart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Services to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.